The text for this morning's message is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. What we traditionally call the great commandment and uh, the commandment to love God with all of our being and to love neighbor as ourselves. I choose uh, sermon themes and texts. I plan them out a year at a time, so this has been planned uh, for a long time. Uh, Not realizing that on the Sunday I would be preaching it, we would be dealing with so much tragedy in our city and in our nation, our world. Two blacks were shot and killed in a Louisville Kroger grocery this week, we assume simply because they were black. The bombs that were mailed uh, to various people uh, this week, presumably because of affiliation or public service. The shootings in the Tree of Life synagogue in Pennsylvania yesterday, the killings. A missing child here in Jefferson City for whom we're all praying. Would you bow with me for a time of prayer as we lift to the Heavenly Father these who are grieving, these who are struggling, and for peace and justice in our world. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. We lift up to you in these moments those who are grieving, communities that are mourning and in shock, for a nation that is deeply troubled and in need of understanding your love and a way other than violence and hatred. We pray for the victims. We pray for their families. We pray for first responders, for police, law enforcement. We pray today for those serving in military service all around the world and here in our states, for the leaders of our nation, our state, for the leaders of all nations. We ask God that you work deeply in our our world, in our country. We pray that you would comfort the family of the little boy here in Jefferson City who's lost, that you would help us to, to find him. We ask God that you Bless our partners all over the world today, our partner church, Disciples of Jesus Christ Church in Ukraine, our partners in Kenya, our continued work in South Dakota, our partnership with South Elementary School here. We ask God that you grow us in faith and hope and love, that you forgive us when we fail, and that you empower us to be like Jesus Christ. We invite you now to work in our hearts and our minds as we seek to understand Scripture and your word, your fresh word to us. We come with humility and openness and we pray in the name of Christ, the word of life. Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. If you're able, would you stand, please, as uh, God's word comes among us? One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, you have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any question. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. We often call this the great commandment or the greatest commandment. And there's one danger with that. The danger is that we turn this into a new legalism, that we somehow uh, develop the notion in our mind that we can work this up in our own strength with our native ability, that we somehow can climb rungs of a ladder and achieve in our own goodness uh, this this goal. In reality, the scripture tells us that our hearts are very dark and turned towards selfishness, and that God, in redeeming love, looks in pity and grace upon us, and He is the one who initiates, and He is the one who makes possible to do in us what we cannot do by ourselves, so that this is about not achieving, but receiving, receiving God's Son, Jesus Christ, and opening our life so that the love of God can begin to work so that we can begin to see God and see other people. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. There's a laser focus to Jesus' quoting of that commandment. It's without reservation, heart, soul, mind, strength. It's our entire being. There's nothing held back. There is this laser intensity about it. And the second is likened to it, that we learn to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's about as simple as you can say it, because we all love ourselves, right? I was interested to learn um, in doing some reading in psychology that Brain research has uh, shown that uh, they've, they've located what they call, scientists call mirror neurons. Mirror neurons are responsible for our ability to feel with others as if the feeling were our own. It's what we call empathy. Moving into a place where we're feeling what the other is feeling. How would your week change? If we really saw people the way Jesus sees people and we really internalize this second of the greatest commandments, if we saw and felt what it was like to be a single mom of three children with not enough money for groceries, 
or to see and feel what it felt like to be a minority uh, who is uh, judged simply for color of skin or accent. To see what it would feel like to be forgotten and lonely and, and alone and feeling as if no one is around us to care. See, Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. In Scripture and Old Testament from Leviticus knows exactly human nature. To love others as we love ourselves is through Christ's strength to put ourselves in the position to where we feel what others feel. Now, I learned something this week as I studied for this sermon. Uh, There's a a Bible commentary written by Charles Cusar who made the point of all of the Gospels that, uh, that quote this great commandment. Mark is the only gospel that includes the preface to it, the Jewish Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Practicing Jews in Jesus' day recited that prayer at least twice a day, at morning and evening. It's called the Shema because of the opening Hebrew words, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one God. And Kusar makes the point, there's a reason Mark couches the great commandment to love God and to love neighbor. There's a reason he couches it in that ancient prayer. Because he wants to remind us that we are praying to a specific God, not a general, vague, ethereal notion of deity not some floating vague cloud, but to a specific God of history, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we don't even realize it, but we tend instead to substitute for that God a trinket God, a local deity that that conforms to our personality and our prejudices and our hatreds and our tastes. We don't even realize it that we're worshiping a war god or a national god or a uh, racial god or, or some kind of trinket local god that is God, lowercase g-o-d. No, we are to worship the Lord God of Israel's history, the Lord God, the Father of Jesus Christ. He is the one who invites and commands us to love him with all of our being and then to see and experience that love reflected as we learn to see other people. So, in case you're sleepy and you haven't really gotten this message and I haven't made it clear, let me say it even more clearly. There are many functional atheists in the church today. We're not theoretical atheists, we're not theological atheists, because on paper, in theory, we would say we believe in the one God, but we are often functional atheists in that we believe in gods of our own making. Gods who are loving only certain kinds of people. Gods who are favoring us. Because to worship the real God, the Lord God of the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, is to Worship the God who sees the despised and the rejected and the persecuted and the murdered and the disadvantaged and the lost. It 
It's to worship the God who sees everyone as human beings of dignity and worth and value. There was a great um, 20th century preacher in New York City named George Buttrick. And he said in one of his most famous books about Jesus' ministry, Jesus saw nothing on earth but faces. Nothing in heaven but faces. Nothing in hell but faces. Jesus didn't see theories. He didn't try to launch movements. He, uh, he didn't uh, write position papers. He didn't write books. He saw people. He saw faces. And they all had names. They all had infinite value and worth. worth. Jesus saw people. And have you stopped and thought about how much of Jesus' earthly teaching was about seeing other people uh, and seeing God in the, the Beatitudes. We read them all the time and don't think about them. Uh, where Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Learning to see God opens up the heart. And then probably the most famous story that Jesus ever told, the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Jesus said, you know, this man was beaten by these thieves. He was left half dead. They went off. And then the religious people who could check all the boxes of going to church a lot, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He saw him, but he didn't see him with his heart. Not a heart of love. And another religious person, busy, no doubt, on his way to church, checking all the righteous boxes, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. He saw him, but he didn't see him. But when a Samaritan saw him, he was moved with pity. See how much Jesus emphasizes how God's love unlocks our hearts to see people, really see them in their bleeding, broken humanity. Another famous passage of Scripture, that story in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, uh, in, the, in that you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me, Jesus said. And then those who are being rejected at judgment, those nations that are being turned away, says, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? When did we see you? Jesus will reply, in that you did not do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did not do it to me because you did not see me. Do we see with God's eyes? Do we see God, first of all? Not our trinket God, but our Lord God. And do we see other people? I'll uh, always remember this friend of mine, a lady who joined a uh, church in northwest Missouri. It was a small rural church. They were struggling. Uh, when she joined that church, folks came up to her and said, boy, we're in bad shape. We're dying. There's just nobody around here. And she said, aren't there any young families, anybody with children? They said, no, nobody's around here. So my friend, the newcomer to the community, started following the school bus around. 
and she started following the school bus as it stopped at all those houses that didn't have anybody living in them. And there were tricycles in front, and there were sandboxes. And she started making notes of addresses and directions. In northwest Missouri, there aren't addresses, they're just directions, you know. And guess what? The church started growing because she, she saw all those young people with children who, quote-unquote, weren't there. Do we see? Do, do you see the people around you this week who are struggling? Do we see with eyes of love? See, there's a reason this passage of Scripture is called the Great Commandment. Because there is an expectation There is this sense that every church should be continually reevaluating to see if it's in alignment with passionately loving God and passionately loving neighbor as self. And if that church is not in alignment, the church is called to ask, why not? I think it would be a great exercise if every family, when you have a family meeting, sit down and evaluate occasionally. How, how, how well are we doing as a family loving God passionately with all of our beings and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves? How are we doing? And if we're not doing, for the family to ask, if not, why not? and certainly every individual, to occasionally do a revaluation and a realignment and to ask, how well am I loving God and loving neighbor? And if I'm not, why not? This is our calling. This is who we are. We're Jesus people. I love the story of the young seminary student who went... uh, made an appointment in the office of his seminary professor. The seminary professor was very renowned, had written many books, was very famous. And the young seminarian sat down and sort of slumped into the chair, and he said to his professor, I'm losing my faith. I'm not sure I believe in God anymore. I'm struggling. Can you suggest some books to read? The professor listened, and he did not recommend any books he recommended that the student go out into that huge city they lived in and serve the poor. He said, if you serve the poor in the name of Christ, your faith will be rekindled. Your faith will be restored because you'll see others. And as you see others, you'll begin to see God. And he said, what's even more important? When you go do that, you'll see the true church at work the real church doing its work. To see God and to see others. To love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength. To love our neighbors as we love ourselves.